of our hearts that he wants us to, to take note of. Um, and so I just want to say that at the beginning, and, and so before I go into the preach, but something I felt that the enemy is actually, he's got a scheme at this stage to cause offense amongst us, and that he has a strategy to actually uh, come in. It's like a spirit or something that wants to come and bring us to a place where we take offense. And I felt the Lord says we need to guard our hearts, that we need to guard our hearts that we don't take offense. And even like if, if there is any offense in our hearts that the Lord will come and that we will deal, that, that we'll ask him to deal actually well with when, we, when there's offense. Now, um, if you read Matthew 18, it says um, that for offense must come, but woe to the man um, by whom the offense come. Um, and Matthew 24 verse 10 says, um, the world we are living in today, and then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. So the thing is, the offense will come. There's, there's a spirit that wants us to, to be offended with one another. And I want to remind you, Derek preached a few weeks ago about love. And I felt it was really, that was the Lord actually preparing us. And then David, the week after, also spoke about love. Um, and, and I believe the Lord actually wants to tell us this morning, guard your heart. Matthew 18 speaks about, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. What many of us do is we go and speak to somebody else about the offense that we're having. This scripture says, if you want to deal with the offense in your life, you go to that brother. And you speak to him. And you come in humble. You don't come in guns blazing. Because then it's not going to work. You come in humble. And I believe the one of the ways we guard ourselves is like if the enemy comes that we will recognize. And that firstly that we will not take offense. <laughs> Let's be like this lady that Johan was speaking. She didn't get offended. She just kept on pressing in <laughs> into Jesus. Um, let's not take offense in this season. Um, you can go and read that scripture, um, um, but I wanted to point out that please, please don't go and discuss whatever happened in your heart, the hurt, the, the, whatever you felt with somebody else, but the person that you need to speak with. If somebody has sinned against you, go to that person and speak to them. God is so gracious to heal and to restore relationships. And then the second scripture I want to just bring out. So... If you are, it's in Matthew 5, if you are, um, if you are offering your gift to the, um, at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So firstly, if somebody has sinned against you, go quickly. So that there can be reconciliation. But if you know somebody, they're actually offended with you. <laughs> um, you know, the thing is, all of us will offend somebody. I will probably offend you somewhere. Ask my wife. <laughs> I, I, we, are not, we are not free from that. But it's what we do with that offense. And you know that thing, that Christian thing is like, you've got 30 seconds to get over it kind of thing. <laughs> um, but that we will be quick to... To go and reconcile. And then if we realize that somebody has something against us, that we will not hold and just, okay, now it's their issue. 
If you know somebody has something, go to them so that there can be reconciliation. And I just want to read the scripture um, in the first one. Um, at the end of Matthew 18, it says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. In the context of knowing that somebody has sinned against you, if two of you are in unity and ask anything, our Father in heaven. And I believe the reason why we need to be offense-free is so that we can ask our Father for what He wants to come and do in this valley. So I just want to put that out. Just guard yourselves. If, you, if there's any offense, go make right. Maybe a practical thing. Identify people that you're offended with. Write down their names. Write down what did they owe you. <laughs> they have not. There's like they owe me this. Like they owe me that. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Write down. And then you go next to their names. Where everything that you think they owe you. They've harmed you. They, then you write down. Pay it in full, and you forgive them. <laughs> you owe me nothing. Free. Burger, you are free. Okay. <laughs> so let's keep short accounts. <laughs> let's keep short accounts, and let's not let our hearts go there. I, and I'm saying this not just because I know of situations. I know it's something in the spirit. I want to call us to a place that we will resist the enemy in this area, that we'll submit to God. If fence could be taken, it will not take it so that we can stand together and agree and ask our Father for what He wants to do in our midst. All right. Um, so getting to what I want to speak about this morning, I want to speak to us about something that is not a me preach, like it's all about what's happening in your life. I want to speak to us. It's an us preach. So when we listen this morning, I want us to listen as a, this is us. And um, so... Who of you have heard of the harmony of the seas? Huh? Who of you know what it is? It's, it's a cruise ship. Can you put that picture up there? This is officially the largest cruise ship in the world. I mean, if you can put the next one up. It's got slides. This one I think Joel David will like. You see that guy going down that thing? It, I mean, it's got so many pools on it that you can swim in a, a new swimming pool every day. I mean, everything on this ship is designed to make you comfortable <laughs> and to, to feed you. And just to make it so comfortable, man, there's basketball courts, there is putt-putt course there is i mean anything that you can imagine this ship has and it's all designed for your comfort who wants to go <laughs> next week let's go now next week we book out that whole ship and we all go now wonderful but i want to show you the next next ship All right, so the bottom one here is a Russian warship. Okay, now do you, can you compare these two? Which one looks more comfortable? <laughs> I mean, this second one looks absolutely not comfortable. Huh? It is just a bunch of steel. And, and, and you can ask like guys that's been in the army right now. I heard some of his stories yesterday. But is the army comfortable? <laughs> no, it's nothing but comfortable. Huh? But... Um, 
And the thing is, many times we are, um, like if we could choose, if we have a holiday and we have a choice to go to our holiday destination, which one of you will choose the bottom one? <laughs> any, any takers? <laughs> You'll eat oats every morning. <laughs> and if you want to put flavor in it, you can put um, peanut butter in it. <laughs> All right. And throw your coffee over it. I saw a guy do that once. Put coffee over his, his bread with his peanut butter. Just, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's. But, um, okay, so getting to, to, to what, it's like many times when we look for a church, we look for the bottom one, uh, the top one. We look for, will you be a comfortable place? Will you meet my needs? Will you give me a show? Will you run after me? Will you do all this to serve me? My kids need to be as happy as they can be. The band, I mean, smoke machines, everything. I mean, it needs to be a show. Yeah, I, I mean, these seats are too hot, actually. We need to put in soft covering. And, 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 and we need to put in another fireplace just to make maybe one that side. Huh? Um, so many times we look for church and we look it for in a way, will you meet my needs? But I want to tell you this morning, but this church is not that church. It is not that church where we will meet your needs. It has not come into place where it's about you. This church has a calling and a mandate that we are here to make disciples. We are not here for comfort. If you look at this bottom ship, that ship is created for purpose. Everything on that ship is there to make as much impact in the enemy's camp that it can do with all the tech and all the guns and the biggest guns that you can think of because you want to hurt the enemy. <laughs> Everyone there has a purpose, their strategy. Everyone has a job. Everyone has a part to play. The church that, that we are as a congregation is a church of, a, of disciples that's following Jesus with everything. We abide in Jesus. We remain in him through the obstacles we don't get offended. We push through. <laughs> like you once said, we, we push through. It's, it's disciples of Jesus. Keep lovers, passionate Jesus lovers, filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. The Scripture, the very center of what we are. We are a people that belongs to one another, where there's no random citizen in our midst. That everyone feel they are loved. That they are cared for. yes. There's the love. There is the care. It's not just, <laughs> but there's a sense of belonging to a priesthood. Not a priesthood that's just warming seats, but a missional, a people that's on a mission, a people that's there to do something. And then the third thing that, that this church is about is a church that each one has a part to play. Each one has a part to play. Even Ingrid singing this morning, she doesn't usually do that. But she had a part to play, and the Holy Spirit was on that, Ingrid. When you sang, there was something of the Lord on that. When somebody brings a word, you have a part to play. You have something to add. Whether it is making coffee or making the 
fire in the morning. Every one of us had a part to play. Martin is feeling this thing to go this week and, and saying, hey, we are the, the seed. They're contributing, going and evangelizing and making disciples. It's a, the swak binnen ons. It's not as where it need, we need to go. As a leader being bold and say, we're going to do this, even if you get battered. <laughs> that we're going to do this because we are not a cruise ship. We are a battleship. We have a purpose. We are here to glorify Jesus with everything in us. And we are here to make disciples. All right. So um, my intro, almost the whole sermon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could end there. But actually, I want to speak about a church that was a battleship. It was the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus is actually, you know why I actually want to speak about this church? Because if you read in Revelation about this church, I, speak, um, I just want to go to that scripture, Revelation 2. If you can, it's down in my notes, but I just want to start there. Um, to the angel of the church in Ephesus um, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among um, the seven golden lampstands. Now, yeah, I know all of you are like, Ooh, okay, but we're getting to know. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them to be false. Um, you have preserved... And persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yeah, you, you did not give up. <laughs> you kept on coming. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Now, why I'm sharing this, it's the church of Ephesus. And, and there's a connection for me because this church was called First Love Church before we became Josh Jane. And when I came into Team T in 20, 21 years, 22 years ago, I first loved church. That is so amazing. I mean, who thought out that cool name? It's like, whoa, first love. Lord, you are our first love. And then later on, I realized, when they told us, the, word, the, the name actually came from a warning that you will not leave your first love. And even though we are called Just Jane Wellington AM now, and, and this is who we are, I believe as this church was planted many years ago, God said, do not forsake your first love. And this is why I want to speak about this church, because God did amazing things through Ephesus. And I want to highlight a few things. Um, so we're going to look at Acts 19, and we're basically going to read till verse 26. Um, but I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm going to give you the paraphrase paraphrased version of, of this. So I want to encourage you to go and read this for yourself. But if you start in Acts, let's read the first seven verses just together. Um, now, just to give you context, Jerusalem happened. Peter stood up. He said, guys, you need to repent. Guys repented. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have Acts 2, 42 to 47, where this church that just shines, this model church, this church that we Put, build our lives around. It's a battleship. It's a, everything in common, devoted to the apostles' teaching. And, and then this church had one thing. They were so closed up, they didn't go. Then persecution happened. <sighs> Philip went out, Samaria. Antioch got established. Then Thessalonians, Corinth. And then Paul passes through Ephesus, and he established this church. In Ephesus, which became a base from which Paul's third 
missionary journey. Now, Ephesus was like a city of 250,000 people. It was quite a big city. It was called the home of Artemis, the, the goddess of fertility. <laughs> this church was, it, it was known by its occultic, um, idolatry, kind of worshiping this false god. And, and, and it was known by this this, this characteristic. So Paul comes into this, this um, town and, and he found some disciples. Now, where did the disciples come from? One chapter earlier, Paulus came there and he also <laughs> shared the gospel. So, that, so I'm not going to go there now for time's sake. But um, it says here in, in verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was in Corinth, um, Paul passed through um, the inland and country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Now, who of you, when you come into an area and somebody says, I'm a disciple, of I'm a disciple. He's like, yes, more disciples. But Paul doesn't do that. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? It's like, do you, uh, do you and I have the same, are we the same disciples? So he said, do you, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And I want us to ask you guys this morning, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received, have you asked somebody to, for you to be prayed, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So, and then these guys respond, it says, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And then he said, into what then were you baptized? <laughs> and they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is coming after him. So it's not just repentance, but it's also faith towards the one that's coming after. So there was, so Paul is actually giving the full gospel. It's not just turning. He's actually speaking to them. He says, hey, you're turning to a person. And then it says, these guys... They're like, whoa. And then they say, um, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So actually, now they are Jesus' disciples. Um, and verse 6 says, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. I mean, these are just new believers. And Paul comes in and says, Okay, you say you're a disciple. And I want to say, Are you a disciple of Jesus? It's like that John Wimmer says, like, I'll be a fool for Jesus. Who will fool, whose fool are you? <laughs> because sometimes it's like, whose fool are you? <laughs> are you, are you, so has the, has the gospel actually penetrated your heart that you have believed? Yes, you repented of your sin, but it's not just repentance from sin. You have turned towards Jesus. You are following him where he is leading you with everything in your heart. And, and there's, you're full of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so Paul established this very early. So what I love about the church of Ephesus is the foundation of which it's laid on. It's established upon Jesus and the work of Jesus. Are you still with me? I'm, I'm going to go through quicker, quicker now, but I don't want you to get bored with all this info. Are you still okay? All right. So if you're not okay, do this. Okay, all right, go for it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so these guys, now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it goes on to verse 8 and 9, and, and he entered. So after this, 
Paul enters the synagogue for three months and he spoke boldly, reasoning, persuading with the, them with the kingdom of God. So he's teaching in the, in the synagogue, teaching about the kingdom, the ways of God. What is God? Who is God? You can know him, the ways, how God's kingdom work. And so he's teaching in this. But these Jews, oh man, they, verse 9 says, But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, Speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannia. So what's happening now is, now Paul tried for three months. He's discipling. He's actually, there's discipleship happening in this congregation. And I want to highlight this out because this was a battleship. I mean, Paul didn't just come in there and just, hey, disciples, <laughs> let's drink some coffee. <laughs> it was a, there was a purpose. There was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and so now he's teaching. He's equipping them. He's equipping them. He's pouring out. And then there was some stubborn ones. Are there some stubborn ones amongst us that you continue in your unbelief? You continue that you don't. And Paul is like teaching the This is the way of God. But you want to go this way. So Paul says, no, no, no. Let's go somewhere else. So he goes to the Hall of Tyrannus. Now, Hall of Tyrannus was a, was a public hall where guys, public speakers could rent this hall to come and teach. So, and then people come into the town and then they teach. So Paul rent this, this hall from 11 to 4 in the afternoon in the siesta time. <laughs> and then he teaches um, for two years. For two years, he teaches from 11 to, to 4. That's what they say. And he's teaching who God is, the kingdom of God. He's equipping these saints. Now, this is, this is where the good part comes. Now, So we just read that. He's teaching them. And then, um, and then it says, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of God. So he's teaching for two years in one room, one hall, and then it says all of Asia. So this church was not just for themselves. They had such an impact on, the, on Asia around them. Then, then we jump quickly to chapter 20, verse, verse um Percent. Paul is now, there was a situation, and now he's in a, another town, and, and then he's speaking to the elders of the church of Ephesus. So he's actually speaking to the leaders that he's raised up. So Paul actually did not just teach, he actually raised up leaders in that congregation. And now we, we announced this morning of new leaders are coming in. Um, but God is, there's many of us that needs to step into more that the Lord has, into positions that the Lord is calling you to step out in. Remember, we're not a cruise ship. We are a battleship. There's a purpose. There's, there's a reason why God has called you to be here. Not just to listen to my boring preaching. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to be insecure. I'm just using it as an example. It's not about the preacher. <laughs> it's not about the preacher. It's not about the worship. It's not about the smoke machine. It's, it's about are we fulfilling the purpose that God has. And I want to align us. This morning, I want to line us. It says, forget about getting offended with your brother. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do something. Yesterday, the men, we, there was a call to come in line. To, to, uh, what's the phrase that you use, Derek? It's like, hold. 
stand attention. <laughs> and Kadeta, we just did Kadeta. Hold! <laughs> okay, I didn't do war, but <laughs> if bombs go off around me, I would have run. Um, <laughs> we actually had to do that in Korbruka. <laughs> that is not nice. It's better. Very cold. Anyway, um, besides the point. So verse 18 in chapter 20, it says, you, yourse you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia. So Paul says, like he's speaking to the others, he says, you know how I've lived among you. I'm serving the Lord and with humility and with tears and with trials um, that happened to me. And then he goes, that, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And teaching you in public and from house to house. And this is why I'm bringing this in. We think it's just a hall, just here. But Paul is bringing it from house to house. We see this in the church of Jerusalem, where they met in one another's homes. And, and you know, here comes the good part, now. Are you ready for this? Okay, I didn't hear anything. Are you not ready? <laughs> okay, are you awake? All right, so verse 11. So after this, equipping this teaching paul is making disciples that is impacting the whole of asia do you see this this is this is phenomenal it's like two years just imagine what happened with us the last two years and paul comes in and he says in two years he did something happened that impacted the whole of asia verse 11 it says and god was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Oh my goodness. This is, this is like, I mean, these are young disciples. And you know, all of Asia hurt because those that were sitting in that room were going. This is what I actually want to point out is it wasn't just a room and house to house. Those people that sit under Paul's teaching, they were the ones that were actually going to all of Asia. And they were carrying these handkerchiefs. They were carrying these things to the people. And all of Asia got touched through this. And, and the, the beauty of the signs and wonders and miracles, not that we, we're not a church that, that just runs off the signs and wonders and miracles, but it's, it's something that the next verse says, all came upon the people. It, it did something in their hearts, and I'm going to come back to that now. But I just want to share a testimony quickly here. So when we went to Montague earlier in the year, we were praying for a, a couple. I, I briefly shared, we prayed for a couple. They, they, they were they're pregnant, and, um, and that we were asked to pray for them because the baby, they, they went to the gynecologist, yes. And <laughs> um, they went there, and the doctor said that the baby hasn't grown for two weeks. So there might be a hole in his heart or something. And so th this is the news they get. So they arrive at the meeting that we are, and we are praying for the sick. And they come to us and we say, please, would you pray for us? Um, and so we pray. A few of us, Marnus was there, a few of us, Ron, we all prayed with, with that couple. And then last Sunday, I heard that this couple, two weeks later, went back to the doctor. The doctor said, two weeks later, you need to come back. And so the, the, the previous thing was the baby has not grown for two weeks that there was no growth the next visit 
the doctor said the baby has grown not only two weeks, but four weeks. <laughs> so I can imagine the awe that's in that couple's heart, that there is a God. Not that we seek God for what He does for us, but it opens a heart to hear the gospel. It opens a heart to hear what God wants to do. It's a sign and it's a wonder. It's pointing to a person, Jesus. And I want to encourage you, are you praying for the sick? Yes, Morris, but I don't have the gift of healing. I don't even know if I have the gift of healing. <laughs> but I'm going to pray for everybody that asks me. <laughs> yeah, I told Juliet, I had no, there was no anointing when we prayed for that couple. It's like just... Okay, Lord, this is my best prayer. <laughs> I don't even know what's going to happen. I didn't even know if I will hear what's going to happen ever. We're just faithful and praying that prayer. And God just did this miracle. In this week, um, I was um, praying with somebody for deliverance. And it's just amazing to see how these demons come out and, and the, the, the freedom on the person's face. Um, you see them actually tormented, harassed by the enemy. And you, you address those spirits in the name of Jesus, and they go. They go. They go. It is amazing. The, the person jumped up afterwards, clapping his hands in worship of the freedom that he's experiencing. I don't like doing deliverance. I, I don't like it. It's like, eesh. It's not nice <laughs> when these things are like in front of you. But when I see that person walk in freedom, oh, I was like, Lord, I'll do it again. <laughs> because we're not a comfort zone where it's all about me and what I like to do. It's about a mission. And if uh, I believe each one of us, I spoke to the Zambians, like, gosh, you need to be ready. If you encounter the demonic in Zambia, you need to be able to deal with it. So we're going to train you. Um, so there's equipping that needs to happen so that all of us can actually not like, oh, demon, run. <laughs> no, it's like, no, we are children, believers of Jesus, and we can deal with these things because we are not here for our comfort and what is nice for us. We want to see people coming into more and so that the whole of Wellington, the whole of Van Wijksvay, the whole of Mbekwini, the whole of this valley will be changed and touched and even beyond this valley that the Lord wants to come and do something amazing. And then you have these guys, sons of Sceva. They think, okay, they see Paul's doing deliverance. So now they come and say, like, I adjure you in the Jesus that Paul believes in, that you need to go. <laughs> and these demons, they say, like, I know Jesus. I know about Paul, but who are you? And they jumped on this guy and they beat him. <laughs> and they run out. And, and, so, and the people hear about this. And they say, like, okay, the Paul knows the right Jesus. When he commands these things, they go. Because it's not about Paul. It's about the Jesus that he believes in. Remember, he started off with the whole gospel. It's not just repentance. It's not just believing that there is a God. There is that you, you actually, your whole life is, you are a follower of Jesus. You are a follower of Jesus. I want to ask you, when last did you pray for the sick? When last that you actually lead somebody to the Lord. And this is not to put a heavy on you. I'm just speaking to the soldiers on the battleship. <laughs> I'm just like, guys, we can't hang around in, in the sun and, and tan while the other ship is shooting missiles at us. <laughs> there is no, there's no time of that. There is actually, when last that you actually not just led somebody to the Lord, but actually walked a road with them 
and disciple them. I've seen some young believers in our congregation, when they, they got saved, full of fire, and then when you start seeing them then now, the fire is dwindling. And I'm like, is that a discipleship question? Because if that person can really be disciple, and I want to call us to a place, we have a responsibility that if somebody gives their life to Jesus in our midst, that we are called to disciple them, to bring them into more. To even like if you know one page more of them, that you will sit and read that one page in the Bible with them. It's not about how much you know. It's about the love to see that person coming into more. So I want to call us to a place, um, not just Marnus going out, but let, who wants to sign up? <laughs> who wants to sign up? Who wants to go and take up that call that Jesus gave us? Go into all the world and make disciples. Guys, we are not here just to entertain one another and just bless one another. When we step out of those doors, it's more that Jesus is calling us to do. And I want, this is why I'm calling this a we preach. It's not an I preach. It's a we preach because we all, all hands on deck. We need everyone. I don't know, a few years ago, um, if you remember Franco, he passed away. He was one of our comm leaders. And so I had a conversation with Franz and Mercia, and they, we were speaking about this picture about the cruise ship and the battleship. And, and so they were saying, Maurice, if we, if we think of the ship, we don't see ourselves as leaders or so. We just see ourselves as medics. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we see. Like we, we're there to, to love and to care and just be there for people. So then later on, Franco actually passed away. And, and I was like, who's going to lead this community? And we get in new leaders. And I went to France and Mercia and I said, will you just be medics for three months? <laughs> just so that we can settle things and then just love the people. Just be there. Just open up your home. And they have done an exceptional job. To the point that, and I want to honor you guys for that. That I mean, they, they were calm leaders before and they have, and for a season they didn't lead. And then here in a time of need, they stood up to be medics. Not to be calm leaders. They were not putting up their hands for calm leaders. So then I think uh, it wasn't precisely three months later. It's about four months or later. <laughs> like I was like, okay, we said three months. How are you guys doing? I says, no, we're loving this. We actually want to continue doing this. And, and they're still running for Jesus. And, and they're loving people. So somehow we, we think we have maybe, uh, maybe this. I'm not that. But can you start giving what you are? Can you start bringing who you are? And you will be amazed of what God can do through your life. I'm not supposed to standing here and speaking with this confidence. I'm actually a very shy person. Now, Andrew says that sin, shyness is sin. Like, but I think that's true because I've, I've lost my shyness. But I had to kind of break free from that shyness. Um, and I heard Andrew speak on Friday. He says he was actually so shy that he couldn't take orders from people in Mike's kitchen. <laughs> He couldn't speak to people. He was a loner just in a vehicle, and he had no. If you see Andrew today, you see he started maybe selling burgers in Mike's kitchen, but now he's speaking to the nations of the world, and it's a work of God. I should be that shy guy that's hiding out in the back of the class. If me, you guys, if you saw me, I was like, hey. <laughs> I'm like, don't look at me. <laughs> um, I'll just do sport. I'll just whatever, and, and, and but... What do you have to bring? 
to this ship. And I'm speaking about everyone. I'm speaking to the teenagers here. I'm speaking to the young people in our midst. Some of you are waiting for one day when the coolness passes away. And then you'll start worshiping. I want to say, forget about the coolness. It's cooler to serve Jesus. Get, get out and praise Jesus with all of your heart. Don't let, don't let the world tell you. Don't let the world tell you you need to just keep it cool. Don't move. Don't do something extravagant. Just hold it. I mean, who's fool are you going to be? The fool of Jesus. Just get out of that comfort zone and start praising Jesus. I, I believe that some of our young guys actually need to step out and share the gospel with their friends. Um, some of us needs to, at our workplaces, our colleagues, people need to hear about this good news. We heard the testimonies this morning. People need to hear about Jesus. And they not only need to hear, we need to walk with them. Because if... Uh, if any of you parents who had a baby and you just decide you're going to leave the baby there in the room, Anthea, if you, you decided that just to, when the baby came, just, just you, you, you're there. I'll continue with my life. That baby probably will die because it needs somebody to walk with him. And the same in the kingdom. When somebody gets born again, they need somebody to walk with him. Is it going to be comfortable? No. It's going to be very uncomfortable. They're going to take some of your precious time that you could watch Netflix. But for Jesus' name, I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice Netflix now and I'll go and share with somebody about something that's eternal. Nothing against Netflix. I'm just using the, the, the thing about discipleship. It's like our comfort. We need to get out of our comfort zones. Some of us actually feel the Lord is actually nudging you to do things for a very long time, but you have not stepped out. I want to tell you today. <laughs> okay, get out. Get out. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait for the elders to organize. We have organized Zambia. We've organized Ireland, but I can't organize everything. We need you guys to come and say, hey, we want to reach our neighborhood. We want to we do this. And if it doesn't work and you did better, you try something new the next week. But we, we keep on trying until this good news reach every, every, every one of this valley uh, to the point that it changes this whole, um, this whole country of us. I mean, can you imagine that we become such a battleship in the small town of Wellington? That impacts the nations. Now, I didn't say this. Actually, this is what I wanted to say. This is an exciting part, but I didn't say the exciting part. Um, <laughs> so let me get to that. I just want to read in closing this. this um, where is that now? Verse 17. And as it became known to all residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was exalted. Now, this is just after the sons of Sceva. And then it goes on to, many of those who believed now, became, um, now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. So these guys that just saw what the sons of Sceva did to these other, <laughs> or what the demon did to the sons of Sceva, is like, 
okay, there is a God. I mean, I saw, I seen what Paul does. I mean, even a handkerchief just touches and, and it just goes and people get healed. Every, I mean, it's not about Paul. It's, I think it was about the faith of those that carried that thing. It's like Jesus. Paul can't come there now, but uh, if, I can just, if I can just be a representative of the kingdom in that moment, God can heal that person. He can set that pe- person free from demons. And then verse 19 says, And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Now that's a lot of money. So these guys were so touched by the by the prevailing power of the gospel in their lives, that their lives changed. They confessed their evil deeds. They brought their, evil, their, their sorcery, their things that they were trusting in this goddess of fertility. They, their lives were built around something false. And the gospel came in, and it changed that whole city. But then Paul comes in the end of that, and, he, and of, in John, he writes to the church of Ephesus, and he says, Do not forsake your first love. You persevere. You do all these things. There's signs, wonders, there's miracles. But I've called you to love me first. Then be on this battleship. You're on this ship. You, you make it count because of what Jesus has done in your life. It's, uh, we sang that um, uh, what, uh, for the joy. Uh, what's that song? I love you, Lord. <laughs> Let it be a sweet. And, and for your joy. I believe this is for his joy, for his it's, we live our lives for the glory of God, to glorify God, and to go and make disciples. So I want to call us to a place, and I want to, tell, I want to put it out there that we are not here for your comfort. We are here together, we, together, and we have a mission. So ask Jesus in this week, what do I need to do? Maybe you're a medic, and you just say, hey, come leader, I'm a medic, can I help? Hey, I love singing. Can I come and serve? I love kids. Or I actually don't know if I love kids. But, I mean, we're not just building this church for this generation. There's a bunch of kids in there. that One of them probably will lead this congregation in the future. And you sacrificing your precious worship time this morning and being with them and running around and drawing colored things on their faces. You are sharing the gospel, investing something of the kingdom of God in their lives that one day they will come back and say, thank you. Thank you that you shared the gospel with me. Thank you. Jesus did not die on a cross just so that we can come sit in church, sing nice songs, and enjoy one another. Yes, that's part of it. He died on a cross, and He rose again, so that we can go and bring this good news to everyone that needs to hear. Amen. I want to read to you a prophecy of of this church that was given on the 10th of June, 1997. It was... Still First Love Church that day. It it says, Wellington is not the least among towns of the world. Spiritually, it will become a city. It will become a training center for apostles, prophets. Much revelation will be here. People will come here, great men of God, to write books and theses. People all over the world are going to talk about Wellington of the Cape. I must go there. 
People will just draw from the revelation knowledge that, that's available there, and they will come and stand under my tree of life, and will come and stand here under my tree of life. God says that He is looking for a group of people that He can fill with His Spirit and pour out His glory. He will establish His church through them, and he will not, um, it will not just be a normal church, but a training and a research center that has worldwide scope and flavor. And then it speaks here about skillful men, women, um, and men will man this said doctors, teachers, professors. I don't know about that, but <laughs> we, we're going that way. But the <laughs> doctors, professors, uh, it is just, this is a word that's given like many years ago about this church. It's not, it's not small. We might think we're small. What can we do? In God's eyes, we're not just a church, a normal church that just, we just here for our comfort. We're a battleship. And we have a mission and a purpose. All right. I want to I wanna pray for us. But first, when I pray for, before, if you can just close your eyes. So if Jesus um, is standing here today and he says, hey, I've got good news. That if you turn away from your sin right now and you turn towards me, I will forgive you. My blood will wash you clean. And you will become a son of the most high living God. And you'll be set free. And you will give life to be, to actually, he will come and give you life to be someone that can be available on his ship, on his battle cruiser. And Jesus is coming, says, who wants to follow me? And I'm not speaking now for those that are already following. I want to say, it's like, if you're sitting here today and you have not responded to the gospel, you have not said, Jesus, I, I'm a sinner. I've sinned. I'm sinning against you, God. But you, you've given your life for me, and I want to take that hand, and I want to give my life. I want to say, sorry, Lord, please forgive me for my sin. Will you wash me clean? I don't just want to get saved today. I don't just want to be born again today. I actually want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to be baptized. I want to follow Jesus with all of my heart. If you're here this morning and that's you, if, if you've not given your life to Jesus, I want to give an opportunity. And I'll keep on asking this. And maybe there's somebody here this morning that want to do that.